We are listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Jen Clore. Along with being an accomplished musician, Jen is also the co-founder of Milk Records. They're an indie label based in Melbourne that not only puts out great projects, but also excels at fostering the growth of musicians. Last year, she released a new subtitled album, and this winter, she's headlining shows in the States for the very first time. Her latest album encompasses what she's been through in life, you know, such as her doubts and some of her experiences, and also her hopes. Many of the songs on the album touch on what she went through, but more importantly, it's an album about where she's going. It's a true privilege to bring you this talk. You're going to love it. This is the 405 Exchange with Jen Clore. Enjoy. So I want to go backwards a little bit, particularly of the fact that this is a very different type of tour for you. Your first yeah. proper tour in the States, as you That's brought right. up earlier. And, um, you know, like last year you opened up for Courtney and Kurt while they were touring around the States. Yeah. You've co-founded Milk Music, which is an amazing record label. And you released a new record, which is people are loving. So I wonder, like, it seems obvious, but tell me if in your own words, why is touring now very different for you than it was probably the last time? Yeah, well, I mean... Um this is, these are my first shows, my, you know, tonight I'm playing my first show in New York as a headline um, with my band. Uh, it wasn't until last year, end of last year, um, that I'd ever toured outside of Australia. So even though I've been releasing music for, um, you know, 12 years, um, it's my fourth album, uh, I've never really managed to get outside of Australia and tour. Um, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. The, the main one was, you know, I really feel like you should probably have some kind of label on the ground overseas if you can do that, who have those connections and can put you in touch with people. And I just didn't have that team there. Um, but, you know, through the good fortune of having a partner, obviously, who's had some fantastic success um, with her own music, um, that certainly really helped. I mean, just getting out in front of um, her and Kurt's audience last year, opening those shows around the States, um, the next day, um, my because we'd announced my you know, tour that I'm doing right now, yeah. um, back in, I guess, October, uh, the next day those shows would be sold out and they'd have to move into a bigger venue. So there's absolutely a correlation between yeah. performing live and people, you know, finding out who you are. It's kind of still a really good way to um, connect with people, probably the best. Does it surprise you as like a label owner that those type of things still work? Because I think what's amazing is that every year you have these same type of conversations about this of the music industry being dead and this not working. But for you, who's very much hands-on with like the aspect of your label, I feel like you'd be much more of a proper authority of speaking about what works and what doesn't. It feels like a lot of the traditional things people might consider old school still works, as you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I think digital technology has obviously change the way people discover music and share music but touring is where people make you know their income so that's an interesting thing to see you know over the last sort of 20 years um, that hasn't changed and in fact if anything it's become more important because the income that artists would have made from recordings you know selling cold hard physical albums is um, you know obviously has been on the decline for a long time so 
Yeah, I mean, I, thank God, you know, I think music is about playing with people, to people, and that will never change. And I think that no matter how much technology can sort of shift and change, you can't, um, you, you can, you know, never underestimate the power of physically being in a room and performing for an audience. Does it kind of, su I mean, I guess surprise isn't the word I'm looking for, but just like going back a little bit to what you were saying about playing for Courtney and Kurt's audiences and having these shows sell out, I wonder, like, I mean, for you as a musician, there must be a sense of validation realizing people are listening. Because I was at that show in Jersey City, and when you went on stage, even within the first song, I could tell that the, the, the attentiveness of the crowd was very much on you. It was very clear to me that that was the case. Yeah, well, I think that when you're in a beautiful theater with an amazing sound system, and you walk out with the guitar and start singing, yeah. there's something very immediate about that. And people listen, you know, sometimes, it's the best way to grab people's attention is to just, you know, keep it really simple. But you're right, I mean, obviously I've spent many years building an audience in Australia, um, but to come over here and play those shows, you know, very vulnerable kind of place to be, you know, playing to sometimes, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people um, solo for half an hour, they've never really heard of me, unless they were super kind of Courtney Milk fans, most people coming along, I think, were like, oh, who's this? And then sort of halfway through, they're like, oh, it's Courtney's <laughs> partner. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I think they'd forgotten that and were just listening to me as another human being, you know, talking about what it is to be a human being. And that's what you want, you know, that, that level of connection. So, yeah, you're right. It was, it was really validating to go, oh, this translates. You know, like, uh, you can take your music to any part of the world and if what you're saying resonates then there's an audience there. Do you know what's really funny is like one of my favorite things about doing these types of talks is that people are listening and they can't obviously see you and just now when you were talking like when you started that and you brought up the aspect of coming out of the theater with a guitar you had a bit of a smirk about you and I imagine what that must be is just like being a musician with a guitar in hand going on stage at theater it just must feel really cool. Yeah. Like, is that kind of what you were feeling? Well I, I like that you uh you think that it's cool because um, <laughs> I, I wondered I mean the first you know we did probably 20 shows um, the first night uh, I think we started the tour in San Diego and I wore, I literally took a massive deep breath and just went here goes you know I just had no idea how it was going to go uh, and I was actually sort of preparing myself for failure you know I thought I could walk out and people may just talk all over me and just want court, you know, court and Kurt. Um, and, but thankfully, that wasn't the experience that I had. And the wonderful thing that I got to do every night was, um, I think when you are performing solo and you're performing to an audience that's never heard of you before, um, I really took my time to talk to the audience and introduce myself and tell them some stories about my life, things that related to the song, so that you kind of hear a story and that invites you into the song and then you hear the song, you know, and I think that's a really, um, I, was, I was able to really, uh, I guess, kind of hone and fine tune my craft as a, as a performer. That's yeah, amazing. I really want to jump into your record specifically, the one you released last year, because, I mean, there's a lot that's been said about it, but one of the things that stuck out to me was the honestness and the candid nature in which these songs were presented. And we talked a little bit, a little bit about this before we hit the recorder, but you pointed out how, for you, it was very much depicting being an artist in Australia and the specifics and that. 
I found what was really poignant to me about that record is I felt, I mean, I do photography, so within that, I guess I find myself as an artist, but I feel like a lot of things you were talking about are things that I think artists of any region can relate to, but not find the way to express. And I wonder, like, for you, like, what was it like writing these lyrics in contrast to lyrics you've written before? Because it felt very mm. different for you. Yeah, well, I really held myself to being as honest as I could be, and I mean, I think honest can be a bit of a cliche these days, like, you know, you just need to be honest and find your voice and blah, 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 but um, I think for me, it is really important, you know, to have an authentic voice, to talk about your world, you know, where you see things from. It's the greatest way to invite someone in. You know, I watched um, a really great film the other night called Ladybird, and oh, yeah. what really struck me about that film was that it felt like whoever wrote it was writing very directly from their own experience, or perhaps the experience of their family or someone that they knew. It was very detailed, it was specific, the relationships were spot on. The writing was um, economical, like it never, you know, considering how many relationships were packed into that film, you know, her relating to her mother, her father, her brother, her, you know, um, her best friend, you know, two boyfriends, you know, like it covers a lot of ground. And I think that can, you know, that relatability or that moment we go, oh, I, I know these people. Um, it comes from writing very directly from, you know, your own world. And I guess that's what I, you know, wanted to do with this record. And I think I come from... A unique perspective in that I run a record label. Um, I run mentoring programs for musicians, or really more of a forum for independent musicians to come together and talk about the challenges of releasing music. You know, there's a lot stacked up against artists, often finances is a huge issue. Um, and then, of course, I have the experience of, you know, recording, releasing, and touring, you know, four albums now, and then the insight into watching you know, one of our own, you know, an Australian woman, um, be recognised around the world for her lyric writing and her musicianship, um, which I think was a real first for Australians. We haven't had too many women being celebrated on that level, you know, just pretty exciting. So, yeah, there was a lot to talk about. And then, of course, my own, my own experience of sort of, you know, my partner off around the world touring and just not seeing much of her. And that was really challenging, you know. It's kind of her career definitely um, meant we spent a lot less time together and me sort of grappling with that and wondering whether I had what it would take to, you know, endure a lot of time apart. I found that very fascinating, particularly like when, uh, not only when I listened to the record, but when I read you and other interviews talk about it, because I feel like maybe to some people it's almost kind of obvious that you would feel that way. If I imagine you as the writer of this record, while you're writing these songs, you're thinking like, oh wait, I'm sad about this, or I'm feeling weird about this, and I imagine it must have felt like a bit of some shock to you in a way. Yeah, well, I guess you never really think it through, you know, like I, I decided, you know, six years ago to start dating a, a musician, and, you know, I didn't know where her career was going to go. Um, but I found out very quickly, you know, that, yeah. that when someone, you know, has success around the world, they have to tour. Um, and, of course, you know that sort of, um, you know, uh, what's the word? I mean, you kind of understand that, but then you have to go through the actual emotional side of it, you know, because yeah. there are feelings. You're going to feel 
you're going to miss someone, you know, you're going to feel lonely sometimes and have to grapple with your own aloneness, you know. It's the middle of winter. Your friends are making, you know, dinner together at home, cosy, you know, in their couples with their pets watching television and you're at home by yourself kind of looking at another two months without a partner there. Um, yeah, so, you know, there can be some tough times in there. But the flip side is that, you know, I've been able to get out and tour around the world and I don't think that would have happened if, if Courtney, you know, hadn't been my partner in the last year. That's really, I, I love that you touch on that. And I want to touch on something you just brought up, the aspect of winter, because this record you made, your most recent record, was made during a winter, a particularly mm. harsh winter. Mm. And, I mean, like, that just sounds, that sounds mental, honestly. Like, in a good way, though, like, because I wonder, like, I mean, obviously you're faced with these feelings and you're faced within the confines of just what the winter does to people, making people a lot more insular and just kind of, you know, not delving out into the world as much. I wonder, like, did you find the intimate nature of what the winter could do influencing the record, like, in a direct way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wrote a lot of the album kind of at home during the winter. Um, and I think in a way it's, it's a good time to write because you are more focused and you are indoors more often. And um, it certainly helped kind of getting up in the morning and getting into a songwriting routine, first thing. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I recorded the album um, in winter um, in Gippsland. It's about an hour and a half out of Melbourne with, you know, with the full band. We went down, we got an Airbnb, um, we took pets and partners. Like, I wanted partners to be included because music had taken me away from my partner so much. Bones, my bass player, also plays in Courtney's band. So his partner's gone through the same stuff that I've had to go through. Um, I didn't know that, that like under those conditions the partners were there. That's actually yeah, really interesting. Yeah, just just having a, you know, an inclusive family kind of feeling. And we recorded in this beautiful old bakery. Um, there was no cell phone reception. So you just go in at 10 a.m., record until 6, um, without any distraction. Um, and we did that for about 10 days. And it was great. And then we mixed the album in Chicago. Oh, wow. Um, and at The Loft, which is Wilco's um, amazing studios, uh, with Tom Schick, who's an incredible engineer. He mixed the record, um, and it was snowing, and I think it was kind of like this time last year that we were mixing it in Chicago. That's so it was a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that really struck out to me, and we brought it up a little bit uh, a couple minutes ago, was uh, how candid and open you were on this record. And I did. I remember reading a piece that you, the Guardian did on you, where you were talking about uh, all those elements, particularly the stuff you're bringing up with me now. And I remember it's interesting. That piece really has stuck with me, especially as a fellow artist. And I wonder for you specifically, do you feel there's a feeling of catharsis being open about your experience? Because for a lot of people, naturally, they find it difficult to be open about how they're feeling. But it seems to you, it never, it never makes you feel like you're faltering, and it feels like it kind of emboldens you in a way. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's perhaps because I'm a bit older as well. You know, like I've had time to really find out who I am and accept myself and, you know, I guess also just do the work of evolving and being someone that doesn't kind of stop growing and, you know, I think you can choose to close down and be fearful in life or just keep opening up and learning and growing. Um, so it's kind of put me in a really, um, I guess a really lovely place where I feel relaxed around talking about my experience and I've discovered that, you know, humans are very similar and we feel a lot of the same things and we go through a lot of the same stuff and 
I, I find it interesting to talk about the stuff that maybe we don't want other people to see. You know, maybe the envy or the shame or feeling lonely or, you know, no one wants to own up to those sorts of feelings. Um, so it's it's been really, I think maybe that's another thing is that it's given voice to some of that stuff for people listening. Yeah, and you know, you also said something very poignant that stuck with me, like it really has, you, about how it's uh, anything is better than pretending everything is okay. <laughs> and I think what's amazing about that is like, I remember reading that and thinking like, God, like that's something pe everyone should teach their kids, but not a lot of people do. And like, I wonder because particularly within the entertainment industry, there's so much posturing and I feel like something that, sta that stands out with you, Courtney, and Milk in general, is mm -hmm. that there's practically none of that. It's a very... I mean, int intimacy is one thing, but also that aspect of being very open is also a prominent character. And do you feel aware of that within your own label? Yeah, I, I think that um, it, it's true. There's a very down-to-earth, immediate, uh, you know, relationship that we have with our, you know, audience, people who enjoy milk records. Um, you know, and I guess that's not to say that um, I think artists have, you know, the right to do whatever they want. You know, you can present a character, you can wear crazy outfits, you can choose to be Ziggy Stardust for an album. You know, like there's, there's all sorts of ways of presenting yourself and being. Um, I think for me, uh, I just have a greater sense of connection, being me. You know, just really kind of fronting up and talking from my own experience. And when I'm on stage, you know, that's... You know, like I'm not sort of trying any kind of crazy performance out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's uh, it's it's real. I guess it's where I feel sort of comfortable and and where it's most powerful for me. I think there's something very powerful about um, being, uh, I guess. really addresses that, especially the complexities of being that way, but also kind of having the second guessing of like, should I be? And I mean, what's very poignant also is that was the first track released of the record. And I wonder, like, do you feel like in a way that was a track that encompassed what you were feeling at the time? And probably is why you wanted to release it first. Yeah, um, I felt like it was a good sort of starting point for the record because it sort of talked a lot about, you know, sort of set the scene around, you know, what life I think also, you know, we've probably all had that experience where, um, you know, it's easy to forget yourself, you know, to get kind of really involved in someone else's life or someone else's drama. It can even be a parent or a family member or um, doesn't necessarily have to be a love interest or a partner. Um, and just sort of forgetting your own needs. And I think one thing that I learned was, you know, it was easy to focus on what was going on in Courtney's life because it was so public and it was exciting and she's at the Grammys and now she's, you know, over here and, you know, it was a big, it was a wild ride, you know, for the first few years there. Um, but it, it was really important for me to, to keep coming back and um, thinking about myself and, you know, the whole reason why I wasn't out on the road touring with Courtney all the time, I mean, obviously finances. 
um, but also because I wanted to write my own record and being out on the road doesn't really lend itself to you know having a good regular environment to sit down and write in because you're on the move all the time um, so it's as much about that as well of like realising no this is where I'm meant to be I'm at home I'm writing my record that's meaningful um, Courtney's life's going on I love how much you don't uh, shy away from talking about Courtney, because especially like being sat here with you and the way in which you do it is that I mean, it's another thing that I brought up earlier about people can hear us but not see us. But anytime you do, there's like a bit of twinkle of pride. Yeah, well, I'm immensely proud. You know, I'm immensely proud for so many reasons. I mean, I think Courtney's done things in music that hasn't really been done before. Um, you know, by a woman, by a woman from Australia. She's really broken through. She's found a, a true audience in America um, and the UK and Europe on a first album, you know, which is phenomenal. It really you is. You know, like to have that kind of impact uh, on a first record. You know, she's touring around playing to thousands of people in each city um, around the States, you know, and I'm playing, you know, to sold out audiences in sort of 300 capacity rooms, but that would never have been possible if I hadn't played to Courtney's audience. So, you know, I have a lot of um, admiration for how she's managed um, a lot of attention as well. Like, I think she's really handled herself with grace. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I think she's really a great musician. I think, you know, she's a, she's a wonderful songwriter. Um, but, you know, when she plays guitar, when you see her play guitar tonight in my band, it is... <laughs> incredible. You know, yeah. she is an incredible guitarist. And you brought up something beautiful as well, and it's something that I very much uh, admire about her and her first album and all the success as well. And I feel like for you as an artist, there must also be this sense of admiration towards this specific aspect. But she's achieved all this solely with people responding to her songwriting. It's not about anything but the songwriting, really, yeah. that people are responding to. Of course, her guitar playing and her personality, but it's really this, you know if someone is a fan of her as they listen to the songs. Absolutely, and I think, you know, you feel that at a, at a, you know, in the audience at a Courtney Barnett show. It's all different ages, all different backgrounds, um, but one thing that people have in common is that they really connect to great music, and so when you get out on a stage in front of them, like, you know, I did at the, you know, in Jersey, um, they're there, they're up for it. You know, they're not there because it's fashionable or they want to be seen or, you know, it's a hip place to be right now. You know, sitting in a theatre in Jersey <laughs> probably isn't the hippest place to be, you know, on a weeknight in New York. But no, it's definitely true. <laughs> you know, so, so the kind of people that you get along, I think, to Courtney's shows and to my shows and to Milk Records shows um, are really lovely, warm-hearted people who are up for ex an experience and just love live music, love music. Yeah, only happy for a couple more minutes here, but thanks for taking the time to chat with me. It's really been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Milk Records quite a bit, and I want to jump into that specifically because it is really something beautiful to have the head of a label also be a musician. Because I feel like the way you would communicate with the musicians part of your label would be just so much different than someone who doesn't have that understanding that you would. And I wonder, like, do you feel like running a label also? changes how you think about your own music or has changed how you thought about your own music over the years mm. or how you approach your own music as well yeah absolutely I think um, I would never have, I never imagined that I would be managing a label um, and I, I have never even dreamt of starting my own label I just thought why would you bother you know like 
that's not us to put out the record, focus on the art, you know, which is, I think, fair enough. Um, but Courtney, it was Courtney's dream, you know, and she really wanted to do it. And then she did, you know, she just started, put up a website, you know, Bandcamp, asked a few friends to put out records, put out her first EP, um, Three Milk, and then, you know, it just really went from there. Um, very organic, natural growth, you know. Um, and in that process, what I got to see, you know, certainly something that I've always been interested in is community and playing with, you know, other musicians and touring with friends and supporting each other and, you know, um, Mia Dyson, who's opening tonight, is an old dear friend. She's a, an Australian songwriter who lives in LA now. Uh, I think she's about to put out her seventh studio album. Um, you know, she's an incredible artist. But she took me out on my first ever uh, national tour of Australia in 2005. So I guess that kind of idea of like working within a community and working closely with other artists and banding together and um, releasing music or touring, you know, music together um, was very much my kind of, you know, my ethic, my ethics. Um, and I think Milk Records really kind of gave it a framework um, to build this community from. And Courtney has a great way of, you know, talking directly to her fans and, and you know, music lovers. So she brought, you know, a lot of the, uh, I think, that lovely straightforward kind of energy that you feel when you, you know, go into a Milk Records social media sort of um, environment, um, you know, handwritten notes when we send out albums, um, you know, th there's just that lovely way that she has of kind of communicating directly with, with people. I love that. You know, you touched on this a little bit earlier and I really wanted to have you on here as well specifically to talk about I Manage My Music. and. I think it's going to be very important for those who are unfamiliar about it. I think it'll be very illuminating. So if you could talk about that a little bit, because I think that's really great. Yeah, sure. So I Manage My Music uh, is a series of workshops that I started about seven years ago. Um, it's really just a forum for independent artists to come together, just a small group, usually about 30 people. Um, and we just talk about the challenges of releasing and touring music in Australia. Um, and I've, you know, I started it because I couldn't work out how other people were doing it. Um, how were they managing to tour around Australia and make albums and, you know, where, where were they finding the money and were they in debt, you know? Um, so starting the workshops was my way of kind of doing a, a slow kind of master's degree or something in, in being an independent, you know, artist in Australia. And it's really kind of informed also the way that I approach my records and being a self-sustaining business and, um, you know, I guess learning to walk learning to crawl before you walk, as they say. I feel like something that's just so special about you having this and being able to be so communicative. I mean, I keep bringing up communicating and honest, but I do think it's very specific to you in the sense that I feel like, and I'm sure you've seen this with the industry as well, but I feel like when some people achieve some success, there's always that aspect of gatekeeping. And it seems you're very anti-gatekeeping in a lot of ways. I, I admire that quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, the more you share, you know, there's, there's obviously so, there's a limit to how many emails I can answer, you know, yeah. that come through Milk, um, and I wish I could answer them all. And I guess the workshops are in a way, um, my way of, you know, these days really giving back to sort of share the information. Because I think if you share information, it strengthens the whole industry. 
everyone has a better idea of how it works, then it just makes the music industry a better place to be. Um, I think gatekeeping is kind of a weird, comes from a place of scarcity and fear. And it's yeah. not my saying. Yeah, it's antiquated. I yeah. Mean, it feels antiquated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go here, uh, this is a bit of a fun, more fun question, but I think you'll probably be up for it. I just wonder, like, what do you think the gen that started milk music would think of the gen today? Like, what do you think, like, if the time machines existed, like, what yeah. do you think that would be like? Well, I guess, um, I don't think I, you know, five years ago when Courtney started milk, um, and then I put out my third album, um, through the label, I certainly had no idea, you know, that I'd be kind of touring this record around, you know, America and, and Europe and the UK really sizable audiences that were genuinely connecting with my music. So definitely the overseas part of it has been a huge surprise and, and a welcome surprise to be able to get out of Australia and play to audiences around the world is, is a real privilege. You know, most of our great bands never get to do that. So yeah, I don't take it lightly. That's really fantastic. You know, just one more thing actually. I just want to I mean, we've talked about Milk quite a bit. I think the proper way to sign off this would be, I would love you to tell me about uh, Milk projects coming up that you can't wait to share with the world. Sure. Well, it's a busy year for Milk Records. We have, um, I think, about sort of five or six records coming out in the first half of the year. That's huge. Um, they're all Melbourne-based bands, so it is more of a kind of um, local scene that we're kind of catering to. Um, but the great thing is that now that Courtney and I are touring a little more around the world, we're able to take some of those bands out with us yeah. um, so that they get to go and you know, tour in Europe for the first time or um, UK or the US um, and it's not as scary because they're, you know, they're opening for someone that they know and so that's a really wonderful opportunity to kind of be able to expose these bands to, to the Sorry, can't you hear me speaking? How is it now, now that I'm screaming?